0: Hi, Tudum sisters, allies, and loved ones. Welcome to another episode of As Told by Childless Women, an oral history series that aims to usher our stories into the permanent archives of global history where they have always belonged. I'm your host, Joby Tyson, and the founder of Tudum Global, a multimedia platform for childless women. And when I first envisioned this series, I knew I wanted to take an active role in documenting the narratives of involuntary childless women and the childless experience. As a researcher, I know too well that archives have the power to preserve community memory and influence individual identity. Today's episode gives a voice to foster care system. Behind every woman, there's one hell of a story. And today's guest is Kelly Williams, hailing from Western Australia, She's bravely sharing her story with us today. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Joby. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. First, I just want you to just briefly introduce yourself to the audience. Tell us who you are. So as you said, my
1: name's Kelly Williams. I'm 54
0: years old and I live
1: in Perth, Western Australia. I have a partner, but we don't live together. And I work in emergency management as a strategic advisor.
0: Okay, so as always, I like to start these conversations from the beginning. So can you just walk us through your journey from the beginning? Sure, so I was a police officer for 20 years here
1: in Western Australia, and I was initially very focused on my career. In the 90s, when I was in my late 20s, it was for women to have kids and a policing career so I didn't give too much consideration to having children initially. Then when I was in my thirties, my then husband and I decided to try for kids and see what happened. Which I now know is not surprising as I had endometriosis, but back then I didn't know a lot about it. Um, and it caused me terrible pain. I didn't know it interfered with fertility. Then my husband separated in 1998, but that wasn't related to not having kids. And then years later, at the age of 45, I was engaged to my husband to be, and we wanted to know if it was possible for us to actually have children, particularly given my age. I referred to a fertility clinic. However, instead of telling me what my chances were of becoming pregnant, they, which I guess were were pretty minimal, um, they started to put me through the beginnings of fertility treatment. We weren't ready for that. I was working full time. I found it extremely invasive and impersonal, so we didn't continue. But once again, I didn't worry too much because i had always intended to be a foster My years of policing had exposed me to so many tragic situations where children needed a decent home. And I decided that I could provide that, so I would when the circumstances were right. Mm -hmm. So when those circumstances were right, my then husband and I became foster carers. That was an absolute eye-opener. Six months later, my husband and I separated. Mm So I cared for a beautiful little girl on my own, from when she was four, to when she was eight, when I couldn't take it anymore. She had special needs, and the foster care system did not support us. The system here in Western Australia doesn't provide children with basic medical and psychological care. The system controls your life, it takes away your freedom and your basic rights and treated with the utmost disrespect and disdain. I didn't realize at the time, but the more I advocated for my little girl, the harder my life would become. So ultimately I
0: became ill and wasn't able to continue. You mentioned that as a police officer in the 90s, that it was frowned upon to have children. Yep. What what we do that experience? You were
1: seen as a like not a real police officer because you couldn't be available after hours if you had children and it was seen as it is now generally, that it was the woman's responsibility to be the primary carer for children. There was no access to part-time work back then, so unless you had very supportive family that were available and willing to help you out, it was pretty much... Uh, impossible, and also, of course, in policing you do shift work, so you couldn't access childcare because they don't do that after hours. And if it didn't work out with the other half, it was pretty much um, impossible. And also, as I did, if you live in the the regional areas, you don't have access to services, like childcare services, even if that was practical, even if you were working day shift. um, Yeah, it was just really, really difficult. And the attitude of people towards women that had childcare responsibilities was not the same attitude that people have, now oh
0: wow it just seems like it's flipped now <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So you mentioned that you were going through this in your in the 90s in your your 20s and 30s so what was the experience like in the 90s when this was not a topic that was discussed like it is today Um, can you walk us through that um experience i guess it was
1: just really difficult because You didn't talk about it. You didn't hear about it. You didn't have the internet like we do now to to research about it yourself. So yeah, it was just I guess just something that happened, and no one talked about it, and you didn't really know much about it. And that was that. And it wasn't until like in recent years that I've heard it uh, talked about in the media. And I'm like, oh, okay, now I oh,
0: I am not the only one that this that this happened to. So how have you been psychologically impacted by for infertility and childlessness? I guess initially I was
1: okay with it because I figured I tried to have kids naturally, that didn't happen, but I'd wanted to be a foster carer from early on in my career. So I didn't worry too much about, you know, not not having my own kids. But it wasn't until after I didn't have my foster child with me anymore and I had experienced loving a little human being with just all of this stuff. And after she was gone, it was like a a part of me was missing. So that that has been so, so difficult. It's been three years since she's been gone. In the first nine months, I I literally didn't have um, a decent night's sleep. And I sobbed every night for, for nine months It's only just recently actually that I've been able to talk about her without um, breaking down. And last week we had our state election and I went to primary school to vote and I deliberately didn't go to her primary school or the school that she used to go to because it just brings back too many memories and I didn't want to talk to people about it that might ask me how she's going. Uh, so I find that very difficult. But it was still very difficult going to another primary school because you see all the activities of the kids and you know, you just it's just a reminder of of her not being around me. Mm, so it's been it's been pretty tough.
0: Yeah. You you spoke about the foster care system, but what would you say would be the pros and cons? Well, I guess the,
1: the pro of the foster care system is it gives children a chance that they might have a safe, loving home. So the theory is sound, but in reality, It's just such a a broken system that makes it so very difficult for carers. Now, there are lots of good news stories where it has worked out with kids going to a a safe, loving home and they're there long-term, or even if they're not there long-term, they go back to their parents, Mm -hmm. then there's been a safe transition there has actually been, transition, mm-hmm. but that's that's not always the case. So, like I say, there is the opportunity there for the foster care system being a good thing for children, but um, as I also say, it, it's hopelessly broken, it's unfunded, the culture is quite a toxic culture, yeah, which is just really unfortunate. And here in WA, there is no real buy-in to to make things better,
0: which is is very sad. Mm. So now, how do you cope with childlessness? I,
1: I try not to think about it, and I keep myself really busy. I'm always being a person who never has enough time. There's always so much to do, so I don't find it difficult to occupy my time. And there are so many things that you can participate in and, and learn. Um, so I have my hobbies and I've applied to be a, a mentor to high school students that, that are struggling a little bit. Mm-hmm.
0: Knowing what you know now, what piece of advice would you give to your 20-year-old self?
1: I guess the best piece of advice I could give is just to say, do believe in yourself and do pursue what you believe is right. It won't always be easy, but you do what your gut tells you is right And if you don't naturally have mentors and role models, look for them, look for people that you can support you in achieving your goals, but also support you through
0: your life Mm -hmm. and network. Yeah. I firmly believe that with or without children, our life has meaning and purpose. What is your life's purpose? Have you figured that out yet so
1: my life's purpose was always to be a foster carer but now that that hasn't worked out my life's purpose is to do what I can to improve things for foster
0: children so you're finding yourself now as a foster care advocate
1: Yep. Yep. Most definitely Yeah. yeah. work of current foster carers and former foster carers, which mm-hmm. sadly I didn't have when I was a foster carer, mm-hmm. but I have this great network of women. Um, and once again, I know that it is, it is not just me. It is not just my experience. There are so many other mm-hmm. foster carers, predominantly women, Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah so many carers that have experienced the same thing oh wow
0: so what brings you happiness
1: so there are a number of things that bring me happiness mm-hmm. pursuing my hobbies makes mm-hmm. me happy I'm learning piano and I sing occasionally I go rollerblading I love gardening hanging out with my partner. And, yeah, just, I don't know, just, just being and just accepting um, how how things have worked out for me. I think accepting things has enabled to me to be happy
0: again. So how were you able to accept what's what's done now? I guess time
1: helps with accepting things and having exhausted every avenue i could to have kept the foster placement going advocating um for things to improve for that little girl i feel that there was nothing more that i could do in relation to that but i can still i can still be in her life for um i mean that that depends on the foster care agency Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: i guess she has tried to and she does make contact with me now she's 11 years old Mm twelve. so she is the one contacting me Mm -hmm. because Here, unfortunately, they don't advocate always carers being in contact with their former foster kids, so it just makes me feel pretty good that Mm -hmm. she is the one being in contact, and Mm -hmm. I know that when she's old and they allow her to make her own decisions,
0: that we will be in contact a lot more. Yeah, it seems like you've made an impression on her, and that's Definitely good making a difference in someone's life, especially a child. Well, thank you so much, Kelly, for sharing your story. Do you have any last words? I guess just that
1: no matter what situation we find us ourselves in, we can always find some positives out of that situation. And it, it might be difficult, I guess, initially to come to terms with your situation. But as I said before, over time, and with having a positive focus, I think as a general rule, we can all be happy in the circumstances. That we find ourselves in. As you said previously, just because we don't have kids doesn't make us any less valuable
0: than people that do. Mm-hmm. That was a wonderful wrap-up. Well, thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us. Thank it's you very much, great. Joby. It's been a pleasure.